say, are you not entertained? Well, were you? Were you not entertained? Of course you were. Welcome into the On3 studios here in Nashville, Tennessee. We are here for a very special post-signing day edition of the Inside Scoop. And how are we all feeling? Some of you probably just waking up from that signing day hangover, but it's okay. I got you covered. Big show today. We're going to cover all the major developments of the day and help you make sense of it all. But let's start by looking at the day after National Signing Day Top 25. I'm going to walk you through here and give you some of my opinions. Obviously, the dog's on top. That was a mathematical possibility for Bama to jump them. But they put that to bed with the K.J. Bolden flip. Bama in there at number two, outstanding day. Ohio State got off to that rocky start with Jeremiah McClellan flipping. Thought it could set the tone for the day, but no. They locked down Jeremiah Smith and Edrick Houston to finish in the three spot. Miami. One of the most impressive days of them all. The Canes flip a Darius Hayes from UF, then five-star defensive lineman Armando Blunt from FSU. Not only do they land Blunt, but they bounce FSU all the way out of the top 10. They were sitting in there at number four to start the day. Texas slides into the top five. Incredible run from outside the top 20. We were talking about a, a 21-22 spot before the season started, up to as high as number four yesterday. Settling in there at number five. Not done yet, though. I got Jerry Hamilton on in a bit to talk more about that. Oregon, they have a big day. Pushes them to number six spot. Auburn, they were outside the top ten to start the day, but another flip of a Florida Gator recruit, Amaris Williams, puts them in there at the seven spot. LSU finishes at ten. I think they were at 11 or 12 before the day started. They got a top ten finish, at least at the early signing period. FSU at 11. Great class, right? I can say this. It's a great class, but a disappointing day. Great class, disappointing day. Two five-star flips, KJ Bolden and Armando Blunt take them from number four to 11. A&M in there at 12. Tennessee didn't really get a whole lot going yesterday. They go from 12 to 13, but still a very solid class. Still a little bit more left on the board. We'll cover that in a minute. Gators. They saw the biggest free fall of them all, going from number three overall to 16. A tough day for Billy Napier and that staff, but... Two huge wins on the day. DJ Lagway and LJ McCray ink with the Gators. Uh, 17 and 18, Michigan and USC. You know, a little low for where they usually are. No five-star recruits in their classes yet. Ole Miss, 19. South Carolina in there at 20. They ink Dylan Stewart. Nebraska at 21 after the big flip of Dylan Riola. Then we got Texas Tech, Wisconsin, Missouri, and Kentucky rounding out the top 25. Now, Early signing day came and went in a flash, but the 2024 cycle is not complete yet. We still have that late period in February, and there's still a few big names that did not sign. I want to go over them, and we're going to start with five-star offensive tackle. The number one offensive tackle in America, Jordan Seaton. He did not sign yesterday with Colorado. According to Chad Simmons, there's no date for him to sign, but... It's sounding like Friday is a possibility. That's the last day of the early period. Now, he's still a Colorado commitment, has not decommitted, but it's pretty shocking after all that he went through, after that national tour of, of all those TV shows and his commitment, that he does not put pen to paper with Colorado on the early signing day. Now, according to Simmons, Maryland and Tennessee seem to be the biggest flip to the biggest threat to flip him from Colorado. But what do you guys think? You guys think he's going to stick? Is he going to flip? Comment section below. What is Jordan Seaton going to do? There's another five-star we got to talk about that did not sign, and that's Dominic McKinley. He's going to sign in February. Long-time Texas A&M commit. 
And according to Chad, Texas is making a run here. Tennessee and Oklahoma also involved. But the five-star, he has one official visit locked in for January, and that is to LSU. Now, remember, he's the number one player in the state of Louisiana. And right now, he seems to be trending away from A&M. All right, another A&M five-star commitment is athlete Terry Bussey. He did not sign. Uh, LSU, Alabama, and USC. Those are the contenders there. January visits, I think, are going to be huge for Bussey. Expect him back at LSU and Texas A&M, but there's possibly more destinations involved. We'll get to that later. All right, five-star Alabama wide receiver commitment. Ryan Williams, longtime Bama commitment. Uh, Two weeks ago, he made a big announcement saying that he was going to reclassify from the 2025 class up to the 24 class. He did not sign during the early period. He'll be a February signee, but there's competition. Obviously, we know Auburn has been relentless with their efforts to flip Williams. Chad Simmons, though, he's reporting that LSU is also turning up the heat. So Ryan Williams still committed to Alabama, seems solid, but he's a big name to watch into January. We're going to cover more of that as we go on with the show. But for now, I want to talk about my big winners on National Signing Day. Now that the dust has settled on National Signing Day, I want to give you my big winners. But before we get going, hit subscribe to the On3 Recruits channel. If you watch just one of my videos throughout this recruiting cycle, then what are you waiting for? Hit subscribe because we got a lot to cover. All right, let's get into it. And we'll start with my first big winner, and that is Auburn. The master of chaos, Hugh Freeze, was back at it on National Signing Day. Remember, his top commitments in this cycle all came via the flip. Five-star Cam Coleman, five-star Perry Thompson, four-star Demarcus Riddick, four-star Jamonte Waller. Those are the top recruits on the commit list, and they were all flipped. So doesn't surprise me that Hugh Freeze was back in flip mode on signing day. Now, a big win came early in the day when he flipped top 100 defensive lineman Amaris Williams from UF. It was a huge win because it came at a position of need, and more importantly, it takes a really good player away from one of Auburn's rivals. Now, then late in the day, Auburn landed another prospect at a position of need. It was Favor Edwin. He's an offensive lineman that goes 6'8", 290 pounds. And the day before signing day, Auburn insiders had predicted him to Alabama. The day of signing day, Gator Insider put in a pick on the RPM machine for UF. That was in the afternoon. Three hours later, Favor Edwin signs with Auburn. Another big win, and it moved Auburn from number 11 to number 7 with those acquisitions. So that's why they were a big winner for me. Next up, I got Miami. Big winner for me. The Canes now have stacked back-to-back top 10 classes now that Mario Cristobal is in charge, and they pulled off some late flips. But really, their march to the top five started about a month ago. That was, remember this, when they flipped Justin Scott from Ohio State, that was kind of just the tip of the iceberg. The five-star defensive lineman, that was a position to need. They really got it going right there. Then 36 hours before National Signing Day, It was running back Jordan Lyle, another Ohio State flip. Big one. Then on signing day, the biggest news of the day came late, 6 p.m. Five-star defensive lineman Armando Blunt announced that he was flipping back into the fold from Florida State to Miami, 11th hour win. I love what Miami did here because last year, the focus was clearly on the elite offensive line hall. This year, it's about the defensive line hall, and you can kind of see the roster taking shape under Mario Cristobal. Now, yes, 
They came up short on Jeremiah Smith. Okay, so what? They still have JoJo Trader, elite wide receiver in his own right, and they did lose Kevin Riley to Alabama, four-star running back. But that doesn't sting nearly as much after you flip Jordan Lyle from Ohio State. So number four class in America, bravo to the Canes. I love the way they finished here. All right, so if we're talking big winners, then how can we not talk about the dogs? The rich, they got richer on Wednesday, but they also proved to be one of the most electric flips of the day. That was when K.J. Bolden, the number one safety in America, five-star, put on the red and black, signifying a momentous flip from Florida State. Recruiting is a battle no matter who you are recruiting. And UGA, they took the Dylan Raiola flip like a punch to the gut. But in totality, when you look at the, the overall class, it's kind of just a footnote of how this class is going to be remembered in Athens. Remember, Georgia finished with 22 blue chip prospects, easily the most in the country. And this class includes the number one corner, Ellis Robinson, the number one linebacker, Justin Williams, the number three linebacker in the country, Chris Cole, the number four tight end, Jaden Riddell, the number two tailback in America, Nate Frazier. They also inked the best and biggest offensive line. They signed six of them. So, those were three of my big winners. Who do you guys think won the day? There's a lot of action. I want to hear from you. Comment section below. Who were the big winners of National Signing Day 2024? Let me know. Okay, we got a great show. We're going to talk with the insiders from Ohio State, Texas, and Georgia. Let's go. Do you guys remember like six or seven months ago when Jerry Hamilton used to come on the show to talk Texas recruiting? And at the time, the Horns were sitting at like number 21 or 22 in the country. And we used to play this little game called Texas's Path to a Top 5 Class. And at the time, it seemed impossible, or at least it sounded like a stretch. But here we are, one day after the early signing day, and look at Texas. Look at Texas. Look at that top five class. Jerry led us down the path, and now the Horns are sitting at number five overall, but they might not be done. So I'm going to bring on the great Jerry Hamilton in this video. We're going to see if Texas could make this a top three class. But first, Horns fans, hit subscribe to the On3 Recruits channel. We talk recruiting 365 days out of the year. We need you to be a part of it. Hit subscribe for me, please. All right, let's bring on national recruiting analyst here at On3, Jerry Hamilton. And it was a big day. But before we get into the path to the top three class, let's talk about a couple of these major developments yesterday. The big flip of Ty Anthony Smith, the linebacker who was committed to Texas A&M. And then the flip of Arian Hampton from Texas to Alabama. So first on Smith, they've been trying to knock this one down. How did they finally get it done? Yeah, Josh, we'd mentioned Ty Anthony Smith a few times since uh, mm -hmm. late September when he originally had an official visit scheduled for the Kansas weekend to Texas. He canceled that day up. He remained solid, Ty Anthony Smith, the four-star linebacker from Jasper, remained solid with A&M. Even though he kept in contact with Texas, they were never able to get him on campus until the coaching change. And once that happened, uh, then the doors really open, and Texas ended up winning this one out, uh, out, Josh. We talked about it without even having a linebackers coach. Jeff Choate's gone. He's the head coach at Nevada. Yeah. Texas hasn't hired his replacement yet, but Ty Anthony Smith was on campus for an official visit last weekend, the last weekend you could before signing day, with grandmother, with his aunt, with his sister, with a, several family members. And we talked about it on this show, same with Xavier Phil Samee, 
Once you set foot on the campus late in the cycle like that, that's bad news for whoever has a kid committed. And it certainly was for Texas A&M. It was just a matter of time. And A&M knew it. Once he followed through and made that visit, they knew this was headed uh, Texas' direction. Despite Jasper being a very A&M-friendly community in town where a lot of former players uh, from Jasper played at A&M, including Red Bryant. So there's some pressure on Ty Anthony to stick with A&M, but – he went ahead and went with Texas, uh, where I think he he sees the future a little bit more right now than wondering what's going to happen at AM. Yeah, a pretty incredible story considering they didn't even have a coach at his position and they still get it done. Now, Aaron Hampton, hey, you got to take the highs and the lows, and that's what signing day is all about. So we're not just going to hit on the highs. We got to talk about some of the lows. Four-star cornerback Aaron Hampton, really good player, not going to break Texas's class, but he flips to Alabama. What went down last minute there? Yeah, that was interesting because uh, he told me I'm 100% committed, which, Josh, you know, this is the business. They're going to tell you they're 100% committed, and you got to write what it is at the time. Uh, he had had an in-home with uh, Blake Gideon, uh, the area recruiter and uh, Texas safeties coach last week um, in Longview. Kane drove down from Danger for the Longview for that in-home visit that was actually at a Chipotle in Longview. For if anybody <laughs> was sitting there wondering what was going on, um, but, uh, look, I think Nick Saban was by the school. Tommy Reese was by the school, the offensive mm-hmm. coordinator for Bama. They're recruiting him at wide receiver. Uh, and I think at the end of the day, Texas was recruiting him as an athlete, looking at defensive back first. Then, since Blake Gideon made that in home last week, Andrew McCuba jumps in from Clemson in the portal to Texas, and Xavier Filsamy flips. And so then you're looking at it situation saying, ah, that's after Kobe Black and Santana Wilson, and Jordan Jordan's a rebel in the class for Texas. You're Aaron Hampton saying, okay, where do I really fit here? But to Alabama's credit, they they wanted to flip uh, the kid from East Texas from Texas. There's no doubt this was kind of one of those little battleground recruits for Alabama and Texas that you're going to see in future years. And he talked with Texas on Wednesday morning. He talked with Alabama. Um, and I think the phone calls went better with Alabama. And he uh, signed with, with Alabama and made that flip. Hmm. Yeah. Hey, it happens to everybody. Attrition's part of the game when it comes to recruiting. Now let's move on and talk about how the Horns could possibly finish with a top three class. And here's how they could do it. Take a look at this graphic. Uh, We'll start with Dominic McKinley committed to Texas A&M. Big news out of the last week was that he deferred his signing till February, which means this recruitment is really just about to begin. What do you have? What do you think Texas needs to do over the course of the next month to flip Dom McKinley? Yeah, I, I reported yesterday. Uh, it kind of gets lost on sign day with all the kids signing. But, uh, you know, he had talked to Texas twice, talked to LSU, talked to Oklahoma. He's talked to all these schools multiple times. He has the mid-January LSU official visit scheduled, as Sam Spiegelman right. reported for all three a couple of days ago. Steve Sarkeesian still has his in-home. Bo Davis can still go by that school as the weekly in-homes. Uh, a lot of it, Brian Kelly burned his in-home. Mike Elko saved his in-home. Uh, but yeah. that, that's going to be the key right there. Is it's the in-home visit with Steve Sarkeesian and Bo Davis. And then does he get back on campus unofficially in January? I don't think he has to do that for Texas to win out. But I think if he ever makes a visit, because he's scheduled to be at Tennessee and LSU, if he makes an unofficial to Texas, I would say it's game on for the Longhorns at that point. Mm. All right, now let's talk about Dalen Evans and his recruitment. He's been committed to Texas A&M for about six or seven months. And throughout, it always seemed like the Florida Gators were the team that was going to flip him. And then yesterday, we start hearing all this smoke about Texas. And you've been following this. Dalen Evans did not sign on Wednesday. As we tape this 
on Thursday morning, the day after signing day, he still has not signed, but you spoke to him last night. What did he say? Yeah, he's unsure. And look, he was unsure. Uh, I reported last week he'd probably hold off until February. Well, he's made it one day. We'll see. There's two more, right, until 11.59 p.m. Friday. Uh, but it, it, he's just uncertain. He said he's not sure what he's going to do. He made an official visit to A&M last week, and that was not enough to get him to shut down the recruitment. He talked to Steve Sarkeesian, FaceTime with Sark. Um, and Bo Davis, he had a, he was part. He had an in-home with Blake Gideon last week at that same Chipotle in Longview, uh, as it turns out. Uh, so Texas has been working on him behind the scenes. I think once they learn, okay, he may not, he may opt for the February signing period. Texas has sent him a letter of intent, so he has a letter of intent from Texas and Texas A&M. So if he wants to sign with one of those programs here in the next. 24 or 48 hours, that certainly wouldn't surprise me. But as of last night, he's unsure what he wants to do. It could go to February. He could decide last minute here and sign with one of those two schools. You think it's a two-team race right now? Yeah, if it goes into January, I think Oklahoma uh, would be involved if they want to be involved and possibly uh, USC. That's what he had told me last week on Wednesday. Mm. But I really think this is going to boil more down to A&M and Texas at the end. All right, Texas sneaking in this recruitment at the last minute. Now, cornerback Aaron Butler, he decommitted quietly from Colorado about two or three weeks ago. Are you hearing that he could be a potential target for Texas down the stretch in January? Yeah, if he doesn't sign here in the next uh, 48 hours, if he takes this to February, it's possible. Chris Jackson, Texas is looking at him as a wide receiver. Chris Jackson, the receivers coach, made an in-home visit with him in Calabasas a couple of weeks ago, and that was pretty much quiet. That escaped on the West Coast there. Then uh, word kind of got out that, okay, Texas is showing some interest in Aaron Butler, who's a very talented playmaker. Uh, he's deciding right now, again, similar spot with Dalen Evans. Uh, he made an official visit to Arizona last weekend. Washington's very much in this. Washington Arizona are kind of where the decision's going to come from if he signs early, unless he makes a leap of faith and signs with Texas, mm -hmm. um, which that would be that would be interesting and unexpected. But if it take goes to February, I can definitely see Texas Steve Sarkeesian going out there to see him in January, making an in-home visit and getting Butler on campus for an official visit. So again, similar to Dalen Evans, we'll see where this goes in the next 48 hours. If it, if he doesn't sign early, I do expect Texas to be in this one. <laughs> All right. The last name on our list is defensive lineman Alex Foster committed to Baylor three-star prospect. Now, I think you can see a theme here that Texas has a few spots left and they would like to use it on D lineman, which is – which is ironic considering we talked about Texas's class on the signing day show. And the thing that we highlighted is how well they've recruited the trenches and it's, it's telling that they want more. So how much of a priority is Alex Foster? What do they like about him? Yeah, I think Don, Don McKinley, Alex Foster, uh, Dalen Evans. I think there's a chance they would take two of those guys. One for sure. Not out of the question. They would take two, uh, but Alex Foster, they love the upside. He had made an official visit with his mom last week, and he was also on campus unofficially for the Texas Tech game a few weeks ago. Six, four and a half, 270, 10 and a half inch hands, 82 inch wingspan. He has got that upside frame and athleticism mm -hmm. combination uh, that Texas really likes from a developmental standpoint. Um, and he says he's taking this to February, right? All these guys say that. They have 48 hours to change their mind, but he's been pretty adamant that he's going to February now. Uh, and that would put, puts Texas in a pretty good position there to battle Arkansas. I think Kentucky's involved, but really remains committed to Baylor. Uh, but this is one I think Texas can win if they make a push uh, in January. The question is, will they take one or two defensive linemen? I think they'll get one of these guys, but could they get two? We'll find out. Man, so 
We'll see. Do you think Texas could potentially finish with a top three class when it's all said and done? Oh, no question about it. I mean, look, if Dominant McKinley went their way, that's a five-star ranked 27 in the country. So they would be there. I mean, they would be there. Even if they don't get McKinley, Dalen Evans is ranked top 100 in the country, and an Aaron Butler's ranked top 150 in the country. So they have the ability to add two more impactful guys, not only in, in their class, and but in the class rankings, they could vault them to the number three spot, which is where they finished last year, by the way. Man, unbelievable. Jerry, the path was not straight. It was winding. Right. It took some turns. It was up and down. But we followed your path, and it led us to a top five class for Texas. Yeah, I want to give credit to Sark now. 12-1 and one gets you to that path pretty quickly, okay? 12-1 and one in a college football playoff gets you to a top five class if you're patient in recruiting. And so, even you, they, when we started playing that game path to the top yeah. five class, like even you at some points were just like, this is what it would be. I don't, I, you know, hey, do they get there? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, Zay, the Phil Simi flip, Florida's season really impacted Texas' path there. Was Wardell Mack flip and then Phil Simi. Mm-hmm. That really opened the door for Texas to get to the top. Yeah, five. and that makes the Arian Hampton flip way more palpable if you're a Texas fan. It just makes that whole secondary class much more solidified. If they can go out and get a guy like Aaron Butler, hey, that kind of replaces what you lost in Hampton. But even if you don't, it's a stellar class, top to bottom, trenches, skill players. Texas has it all. Heading to the SEC. Jerry Hamilton, thank you for dropping by the inside scoop. You got it, man. The ink isn't even dry on some of these letters of intent, but what an exciting day it was for Buckeye fans. Now, there was a little bit of everything today on National Signing Day. It wasn't perfect, but still a damn good day for the Buckeyes, sitting at number three overall with 20 commitments. I got Matt Parker of Letterman Row here, and we're going to break down the ups and downs of Ohio State Signing Day. But first, Buckeye fans, hit subscribe to the On3 Recruits channel. We're here 365 days out of the year talking, recruiting. Hit subscribe. want you to be a part of it, please. All right. Matt Parker from Letterman Row. Where do we start? Where do we start? Uh, Let's go with Jeremiah Smith. He's the number one player in the country. Monumental signing today. Miami was pressing. FSU was pressing. What did you hear behind the scenes as this thing went down? I mean, it was it was always Ohio State, Josh. It was always yeah, Ohio sure. State. We had we had seen, you know, ever since he committed last uh, last December, he gave his verbal commitment to Ohio State, and he wanted to give his verbal commitment before that moment in time. Um, he sticks with it, 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 and it's all about the development. It's all about the what Brian Hartline has done at Ohio State, sending guys to the first round of the NFL draft. You see, guys, Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson. Uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba on on Monday night with a little backdoor recruiting pitch for Ohio <laughs> State with his comments after the game-winning touchdown. Mm-hmm. Uh, that stuff matters. That stuff adds up. We're about to see Marvin Harrison Jr. more likely than not declare for the NFL draft. And then you have guys in the program right now that are going to be young difference makers with Carnell Tate, Brandon Innes, and now Jeremiah Smith, who – is set to sign his letter of intent. He announced that he is going to sign with Ohio State. And uh, just an overall really, really big day for the Buckeyes. Now, Ohio State didn't have 100% luck with the Jeremiahs because Jeremiah McClellan, the borderline five-star wide receiver out of St. Louis, Missouri, flipped his commitment to start the day. I mean, this was big news. He flipped his commitment to Oregon. Did you guys see that one coming? Was that on your radar heading into the day? 
It was. We got some rumblings uh, Tuesday evening that it, that it looked like Ohio State wasn't as comfortable going into Wednesday as we had initially thought. Uh, just poking around and talking with some folks, Oregon really came in hard uh, the last 24, you know, 36 hours of yeah. uh, of this 2024 cycle. The cycle's not over yet, but with kids signing in December and things like that, uh, instead of February these days, it, it kind of feels like it's over. But you have to give, uh, I guess, credit where credit's due. Uh, Dan Lanning and staff came in and decidedly made Jeremiah McClellan go from wide receiver number three with the Buckeyes to wide receiver number one with the Oregon Ducks. And he's got two new brand quarter, two new uh, quarterbacks throwing the ball with him, uh, Dylan Gabriel and Dante Moore as well. So uh, not completely unexpected. Uh, there is a little bit of being bummed about it, but when Ohio State brings in Jeremiah Smith and Mylon Graham, it certainly eases the blow of, of yeah. losing Jeremiah. Yeah, it, well. Absolutely. Mylon Graham getting him across the finish line was huge. But let's, uh, you know, we're filming this in the late afternoon, early evening of National Signing Day. But go back to the morning when Jeremiah McClellan flip happened. Did it feel like that might set the tone for what Jeremiah Smith and Edric Houston were going to do? Was it, were Buckeye fans in a little bit of a panic? I think just because it was so expected, because uh, I feel like at Letterman Row anyway, uh, we had done enough of enough legwork to say if this happens, don't be surprised. Whereas we had been reporting pretty extensively that we're expecting Jeremiah Smith and Edric Houston, two five stars, to sign with the Buckeyes, and boy, did they sure make it interesting for us. I'll say that <laughs> yeah. much. I'm sure we'll get to that in a second, but. Uh, you could say, I guess you could say in a way that it kind of set the tone in retrospect, but moving forward, like from that moment in time, looking forward, I certainly didn't expect uh, the day to unfold the way it did in terms yeah. of how it, I suppose. But then it turned around, right? Jeremiah Smith signs with Ohio State at noon, and then we're waiting on the Buford boys and Edric Houston. It seemed like all the insiders had him pegged to go to Bama he ends up inking with Ohio State. How big was that? Was Were you hearing behind the scenes that this thing was going down to the wire? Uh, not, not nearly as close to the wire as it really did, Josh. The biggest thing with that is, so uh, Ryan Day had his signing day press conference uh, at the Woody Hayes Athletic Center. He leaves the press conference to make a phone call, and then he's gone for about 10, 15 minutes, and – he walks back into the room and not even 30 seconds after he walks back into the room on threes, Hayes Fawcett tweets out the graphic saying that Edric Houston is, uh, is going to sign with Ohio state. And it was my turn to ask uh, Ryan day the question. And I had asked him, I said, was that phone call by chance from Buford, Georgia? Uh, he elect, he gave a laugh and elected no comment there, but wow. waking up this it morning, was. I was, I was fully preparing, uh, Edric Houston to flip to Alabama. I was just talking with people Tuesday evening and even a little bit Wednesday morning. And mind you, like like everyone else uh, that covers recruiting, I've been awake since about 5.30 this morning, just ready to go. Uh, talking with people early Wednesday morning. I, I was fully prepared and expecting Edric yeah. Houston to flip to Alabama. And then that phone call happens and a change of heart happens. And the Buckeyes have their guy, the number four edge in the on three industry rankings and uh, early enrollee is going to be in Columbus in January. And that's just that is massive for Ohio State. Absolutely. And hey, it doesn't matter how they got there. All that matters is that right now the ink is drying and the Buckeyes have the number 
three overall class in America. Buckeye fans, let me know. Comment section below. How do you feel about this class? Who's your favorite signee not named Jeremiah Smith? Let me know. Comment section below. Thank you, Matt Parker, for dropping by on such a busy day to the Inside Scoop. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Josh. I've been calling Hugh Freeze the master of chaos here down the stretch. And yesterday on signing day, he lived up to the hype. Today, we got Cole Pinkston from Auburn Live going to break down all the signing day excitement. But first, Auburn fans, do me a favor. Hit subscribe to the On3 Recruits channel. You've been with me on this wild ride. So, hey, why not stick around a little bit longer? Hit subscribe. All right, thank you. Cole Pinkston, Auburn Live, in a cycle full of twists and turns. What do you think was the best-kept secret of this recruiting class? It's got to be Jamonte Waller. Uh, <clears throat> Jamonte Waller was one that we knew – well. I say we, we I kind of knew about it maybe two weeks in advance before he flipped from Florida to Auburn in November, in October, late October. And man, I, I'm telling you, they kept that one under wraps. Nobody seemed to know about it. Even Florida still felt confident and holding on to him. And then out of nowhere, uh, about 10 minutes after the Arkansas game and during Florida's game with someone, he flips to Auburn. So that to me was the best kept secret. Yeah, that was, you know, it was kind of brewing there under the surface. Didn't know if he was going to flip. And at the time, the Gators class hadn't fallen apart. Jamonte Waller was kind of one of the first pieces to loosen up from that class. Uh, goes Auburn's direction. Now, let's talk a little action from signing day. Felt like there was big news in the morning and then big news late. We'll cover the Ameris Williams flip that happened in the morning. Top 100 prospect flipping his commitment from UF to Auburn. What was the turning point in this recruitment? Because a couple weeks ago, maybe just three or four weeks ago, it looked like Ohio State was the favorite to land him. It was. It seemed like it was almost a done deal with Ohio State. It yeah. seemed like Florida was going to lose him uh, yeah. to somebody. We just weren't sure. Ohio State was the team that it sounded like. Heard a little bit about Tennessee. Um, heard a little bit you know, uh, uh, about Florida feeling better. Um, a lot of things. It went a lot of different ways, but – Boy, his visit at Auburn, that was when it was it was different. He, he spoke to us uh, pretty candidly on and off the record. Off the record, he was like, yeah, I mean, this is, you know, this this might pretty much do it, is how he told us off the record. So we were like, okay, that sounds positive. You know, we'll, we'll check into this, but that's, that's exactly how it worked out. And it was a huge, huge signing day addition because if not, if you don't get that one, the day doesn't look all that great other than keeping who you had in the class. So that was a really big one. Yeah, yeah. That kind of brought a lot of the action. Then there was another one late in the day, and that was Edwin Favor, offensive lineman. Now, this one, you were even predicting 24 hours out that Favor Edwin was going to land at Alabama. Then during the day, Gators Online put in an, a, a recruiting prediction machine for him to land at UF. Three hours later, he signs with Auburn. Take us through what happened yesterday with Favor Edwin. Well, first of all, you know, good luck trying to make predictions, man. I had an RPM prediction in for him to Alabama, actually. Right. I forgot to go in and change it because we started hearing some confidence later in the day from Auburn, but also from Florida. I mean, it was really yeah, they thought he was coming. R really, bottom line, it wasn't going to be Alabama. That was, that was what it was. Auburn mm -hmm. or Florida and – just the way things had gone with offensive line recruiting in this class for Auburn. You got two two really good ones, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, but it was just the numbers weren't working out. I was going, eh, it might not work out. But sure enough, 10 o'clock, I mean, on the dot, Hugh Freeze tweets out the eyeballs. 
you know, the, the mm-hmm. emojis is like something's happening. I was uh, thinking about going to sleep. I was like, eh, let's, let's see what's going on here. I checked into it. Sure enough, wasn't 15 minutes later, favor Edwin has already signed, not committed, but signed with Auburn. Mm. Yeah. Big commitment, position and need coming late in the day. But hey, it all still counts all the same. Doesn't matter if they committed eight months ago or late <laughs> in the day on signing day. It all counts. Now, you can't win them all. We know that. But at least Auburn tried. How close were things with five-star K.J. Bolden and five-star L.J. McCray on signing day? I think they were close. I mean, razor thin with both. Obviously, you had L.J. McCray delay his announcement, and we mm-hmm. think that was a direct – that was directly from Auburn is wow. what we believe. Uh, now, there's an interesting dynamic at play that if K.J. Bolden were to have chosen Auburn, maybe L.J. McCray – Maybe there's some momentum there, and he sees that and goes, Man. maybe he was looking at that. Maybe he's wanting to see what Amaris Williams was going to do, who was also committed to Florida. True. Um, there are some things like that we were watching, but with K.J. Bolden, um, you know, the the night before I made a final call that it could be Auburn because we were hearing a lot of confidence from Auburn's side. And even Hugh Freeze at his press conference after, he said, you know, um, when a guy's telling you he's in, he's in, and then it flips on the last day, it's kind of tough. And I know he was talking about K.J. Bolden. So that's how close it was. All right. So now the the last question I got for you is what's next for Auburn? Do you expect them to recruit the high school level in January or utilize the transfer portal for these final scholarship spots? There there could be uh, – there's one spot for sure that they, they will give out to Ryan Williams if he is willing to flip from Alabama and go to Auburn. They will reserve a spot for him no matter what. Mm-hmm. Um maybe some more high school guys a juco guy i don't know i'm not sure yet we're we're, you know we're kind of looking into that and see what might happen definitely transfer portal i mean we're already hearing of some targets that could possibly visit not uh confirmed yet but they they definitely have some targets they're already building up for the portal all right well even if it ends here and auburn doesn't take anybody else what a successful cycle it was for the auburn tigers in 2024 can't wait to see what hugh freeze and the boys have cooking up for 2025 Cole Pinkston from Auburn Live. Thanks for joining the Inside Scoop today. Appreciate you, Josh. Georgia entered National Signing Day with the nation's number one class, and when the dust settled, its hold on that top spot was even stronger. In this video, I got Dogs HQ insider Jake Rowe to go behind the scenes of one of the most electric signing day flips in the country. Yes, I'm talking K.J. Bolden. We're going to talk about also we're going to talk about what is next for Georgia. It could be the transfer portal. So dog fans, before we get started, hit subscribe for me to the on three recruits channel. We're here talking recruiting 365 days out of the year, and we need you to be a part of it. Hit subscribe. All right. Thanks. Now let's bring on Jake Rowe of Dogs HQ and Jake. What were the odds that KJ Bolden was going to tell Kirby Smart no two times in the same cycle? Take us behind the scenes of how UGA was ultimately able to sign the five-star safety. Well, uh, now we know that the, oh, those odds were zero um, because he just wasn't going to do it. I mean, listen, uh, you know, Georgia's former director of player personnel, a guy that we've had on a few of our shows over at Dogs HQ, Matt Godwin, told me that the day after KJ committed uh, to Florida State, he told me, he said, hey, dude, I, I still think Georgia's going to end up getting him. Like that that mm-hmm. bond, that thing, that it runs so deep with Kirby Smart there. Now, um, you know, I, I, I would have said – 
three, four weeks ago that that Matt got that one wrong. Uh, but ultimately, what ended up happening here is you you're, you start to hear more and more, and you know we've talked about it and. I think he ended up taking a few more visits to Georgia than folks realize, right. um, you know, being close. It's tough to do that under the radar these days. I think that had a big thing to do with it. I also think that, you know, visiting Syracuse and talking with Fran Brown um, and spending some time with him, I think Fran Brown probably gave Georgia a little bit of an assist from the outside on this one. Um, that's after, you know, making the move from Georgia. Uh, but ultimately, really, the, the main driving factor here is, is that Kirby Smart has known this kid for a long time. Um, and he kind of brought Georgia back in it, and, that, and that's just kind of the way it went. Uh, the, the the roots were deep there and, and too much for Florida State and Auburn to overcome in the end. Yeah, I think even before the season started, K.J. Bolden had visited UGA over a dozen times, and like you said, he probably made it to campus sometimes that we didn't even know about during this cycle. And uh, in the end, I mean, it was Buford High School was the place to be on Wednesday, and K.J. Bolden was the center of attention. Now, the dogs do have the number one class, so amongst this group of elite athletes, who do you think is most ready to contribute when they arrive in Athens? You know, that's a tough question, Josh, because, like, I think the guy that may end up helping Georgia the most next year might be one of the youngest guys to sign in this class. You know, Joseph Jonah Ajanye, I wouldn't have said this, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago because – he just turned 17. I mean, he, he turned 17 like in mid-November. Um, but he's practicing with the team right now, and we're already hearing some pretty good things about him. So uh, that's a little bit – I think that's cheating, you know, a little mm -hmm. bit. Like back in the day when, when these guys – when you didn't have 17 or 18 guys practicing early with the team, you really had to actually give a prediction as to actually – you know, without knowing anything. Um, but I think he's the guy you look for. Ellis Robinson's another – I mean, uh, number one cornerback in the country – um, you know, there, that's it's not easy to find Derek Stingley's out there, but I think Ellis Robinson might have an opportunity to do that, and Georgia's going to have a spot open with Kamari Lasseter more than likely right. uh, going to the yeah. NFL. Um, you know, Nate Frazier's another guy that I would kind of point to, but but my number one on this list right now would be Joseph Jonah Janye simply because I do believe Georgia's going to have a need for a guy to step up at that spot, and he's impressing already. He is one big athletic body. Now, uh, there's always highs and lows to signing day. And obviously, Dylan Riola flipping in Nebraska is a punch to the gut. But when you have an athlete, a quarterback, like a Ryan Puglisi waiting in the wings, it kind of lessens the, the pain a little bit. Now, Ryan Puglisi, we know he's a great quarterback. Heck, he's already on campus there at Georgia. I just want to ask you, do you look at Ryan Puglisi and think one day he could have the ability to be a captain for this dog team? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I honestly, he kind of reminds me, you know, uh, right now of what Carson Beck was when Carson Beck got to Georgia. And, um, you know, obviously, I don't, I don't necessarily think he's going to have to wait that long, um, but he's a really physically gifted guy, good size, good athleticism, strong arm, um, kind of a, a, a quiet demeanor, um, you know, doesn't make a lot of noise, doesn't do a lot of interviews. Um, kind of keeps to himself, but yeah. but is very, very competitive according to everyone you talk to. And, um, you know, I think that, listen, there's been multiple quarterbacks, coaches, and, and they even tried to run Stetson Bennett off a couple times. So I'm not sitting here saying, man, Georgia's got it figured out. They've got a type at quarterback. But I think they're starting to figure out their type at quarterback, which is kind of that, 
you know, that, that talented, but, but reserved and, and hardworking and loyal. And, you know, there's some stick-to-itiveness there. And if there's anything Ryan Puglisi did during this process, it was showing Georgia, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you no matter what. I'm with you when Dylan Rayola commits. I'm with you if he decommits. I'm with you when he's getting all the attention. I'm, I'm no matter what. Like he he turned some offers down. He turned some uh, you know to some turned out some offers from good schools. Yeah. And uh, I, I think Georgia's got a guy that's very talented. But more than anything, you mentioned the captain thing. I think he's made of the right stuff to get there too. Yeah, I just think the way that Ryan Puglisi handled himself throughout the cycle, because remember, Ryan Puglisi was already on the commit list before Dylan Raiola committed in May. And the way he handled himself throughout, I mean, regardless, he's always going to have a place in the heart of Georgia fans. They're going to remember the way that he handled himself. Um, all right, what do I want to do? I want to talk about what is next for Georgia, and I think it's going to come from the transfer portal, namely running back yeah. Trevor Etienne. Uh, what's the timetable on when he could be making a decision? And is there anybody else out there that Georgia fans should have an eye on right now? Uh, you know, I would be shocked if we get to the weekend uh, without Trevor Etienne, um, or at least get through the weekend without Trevor Etienne in, uh, announcing okay. something or, or Hayes Fawcett or somebody um, <laughs> announcing something for Trevor uh, to end up at Georgia. I mean, I think that has been the logical landing spot from the jump. As far as I know, he didn't take visits anywhere. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, a lot of Georgia sources will tell you that they feel really good about where Georgia is with him. Okay. Um, and, and, you know, sticking on the offensive side of the ball, I mean, you got Colby Young from Miami. Georgia's very, you know, deep into that one. Um, Xavier uh, McLeod from uh, South Carolina, um, another one to look at there. I mean, those are the, you know, when you throw those three with, with uh, London Humphreys, those are the four main portal targets for Georgia. But I'm telling you, it's still far from done. I still see Georgia – um, you know, looking for defensive linemen. I still George, see Georgia maybe looking for an offensive tackle if it's the right guy. Mm -hmm. um, they're they're, they're going to continue to be active. All right. Well, the number the number one hall at the high school level, and Georgia's not done. They're going to hit the portal, trying to find some compliments for this roster. Jake Rowe from Dogs HQ, you guys have been killing it over there. Appreciate you taking some time to come on the inside scoop. You got it, buddy. Thank you for watching. If you enjoyed that content, be sure to subscribe to the On3 Recruits channel. We have a new page dedicated only to recruiting. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button right now.